0: The Mortal Yogi Podcast, with me, Dougal Meacham. Hi, everybody. Before we begin this podcast, I'd like to give a brief introduction. Anyone who comes to my trainings or who does anything yoga-like with me will know that I'm super passionate about how we're all so, so physically different, particularly at our bone design level. And when I saw Ben interview on the BBC, I just wanted to talk to this guy, Here is someone who's not a yoga professional, but who is a physiotherapist and looks through that physiotherapy lens at yoga. He doesn't have a bias on a style or a tradition. He just wants people practicing yoga, people who are doing physical exercise to be healthy and do their best. And through our discussion together, I was so happy to hear so many of the things that I often jump up and down about and get excited about being said by Benoit, particularly around um, how we have to have a balance between um, different styles and different approaches to workouts and how we have to accept and work with what we're blessed with and what we're given by um, with our our DNA, with our bodies. So come join us, come listen, and I hope you have a, uh, a great time and learn a lot benoy matthew welcome very big welcome to the uh mortal yogi podcast it's great to have you on how are you doing Uh,
1: thanks uh for inviting me it's a real pleasure to be here and um um really enjoy the you know content which you've been putting out regularly on the podcast so um
0: great to be here thank you very much and now um i just uh heard of you and read about you obviously um your uh recent interview with the BBC has, has, has been a very big news in the yoga world and uh, I'm sure many people uh, have uh, have contacted you so um, uh, but before we get into all of that please do give us a little bit of your background because you have a very interesting and rich one.
1: Yeah so I've been working as a physiotherapist for the last uh, uh, 20 plus years so for the last 10 years I've just um, you know, focused on lower limb which is basically hips, knees and foot. So uh, I work uh, three days a week within the NHS as an advanced practice physio, which is basically looking into people who have failed uh, normal treatment and working with consultants, mm-hmm. uh, some of them in surgery. So it's more like a triage role, uh, you know, working closely with medical colleagues. Uh, the other part of my job, which I enjoy is uh, working with uh, complex patients who have, um, so nearly all of the patients I see Uh, have symptoms more than six months to a year and usually they've seen multiple uh, therapists Mm -hmm. Uh, so for the last eight years I've just specialized I only treat hips and knees Mm -hmm. so it gives me that sort of uh, average week I might say I might see around 10 to 12 um, and uh, sort of given me that sort of depth into those sort of complex areas so uh, most of them comes from an active background Mm -hmm. I don't deal with I don't deal with professional sports but I would say nearly all my patients are recreational active person, you know, people in their 30s or 40s, uh, runners, you know, semi-professional footballers, basketball, yoga teachers, you know, Pilates. So uh-huh. they're generally they're generally quite healthy people, uh, you know, from a fitness point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, the number one reason they come to me is because of pain. Um, I feel uncomfortable <laughs> if people come to me and they don't have pain. I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> so so I feel comfortable. The pain sort of gives me the familiarity because that's where I can make I can be of help. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, because performance is not you know high level training i would say best to go to a personal trainer but if you have if you have pain and discomfort then that's something which i enjoy trying to get to the bottom of it trying so, to help
0: people mm. and uh can you tell us a little bit about the, your personal of things and uh, i mean sorry off you go yeah so other thing i enjoy is teaching
1: about hips all around the world so i've been involved in teaching uh for the last uh you know six seven years with nearly 12 countries and um, more than 2,500 physios have attended in multiple places, so I try to spread that sort of, uh, because once you're in a niche area, sometimes you can be in a bubble, so uh, it's good to distribute that sort of, uh, there's only so much I can treat on my own, so, and I find the hips is generally quite, uh, people know the value of the hips, but there's a lot of, uh, you know, uh, misinterpretations and um, ideas which, which, with the new evidence I, I try to dispel and try to give a more a balanced approach on my courses because uh, uh, the the research has really picked up in the last 10 years in HIPS. So uh-huh. it's one of the fastest growing orthopedic surgery unit. So, uh, and a lot of people are coming out with symptoms which is... Um, ...to be
0: involved. So um, that's my sort of the areas where I deal with. Wonderful. And, and can you... um. Tell us a little bit about your personal uh, exercise background, if you like, what do you do uh, when you're not in in uh, treating patients for yourself? Yeah, so I think, I, yeah, so I, the thing I uh,
1: enjoy, which I basically, I, I sort of advocate to my patient is basically mixing it up with cross, you know, variety. We know that body loves variety. So, um, mm. so the key things I, I, for cardiovascular stuff I do, Badminton, so I play once or twice a week. Badminton because okay. I, I I hate the boring, um, you know, cardio stuff on the gym and things like that. <laughs> so, uh, which is good. So, um I was lucky to, you know, I grew up in India, but your own heritage when you're in a country. So, the first 20 of year, years of my life, I was given multiple choices to learn yoga but i never picked it up because i thought there's nothing to really gain from that you know uh-huh. because you just uh, because obviously my ignorance at that stage where you don't really value that uh, but then when i was working in the middle east i uh, had one of my uh, you know colleagues who uh, was involved in yoga and uh, he he got me into the training and i really uh, started learning um, you know it was more like the BKS Iyengar style, the hatha style. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so and I started incorporating many of those yoga moves with my back patients and hip patients. Mm-hmm. So I do my own like on a on a simple level. I I do at least a sun salutation uh-huh. uh, every day. Um and I did a course. Um um on uh, there's a group in India I think the international called the art of living where they focus on pranayama breathing and uh, okay. Uh, uh, so I do a little bit of bandhas and pranayama routine in the morning because. Um, it might be found surprising, but you know, all they do a lot of talking. I still get a bit of anxiety in big groups, so I mm. find I find sort of uh, doing the breathing. I find the breathing element makes me really centered.
0: Mm. That's uh, that's that's so great. Uh, many the people postures, listening, I still, I still mm. many many people listening yeah, to this so podcast I, will be very yoga yoga people, and we can get. Um, uh, we love to hear that non-yoga people use some of our things uh, and particularly science people uh, people from medical backgrounds. It's great to hear.
1: Yeah. And we know that like, you know, the parasympathetic system with your breathing is massively uh, linked up and uh, with your, you know, with your memory, hippocampus Mm. and all that sort of It really calms me down. And I think the reason I chose that was uh, the anxiety got me so high that I started by, you know, there's a condition called, bruxism where you start biting your teeth at night you know ah yes, so, yes. yeah so and uh, i was advised by my dentist that you better find something to calm down your uh, anxiety otherwise you'll lose your teeth very very quickly you know so, <laughs> <laughs> so so i found like the best option which worked for me was uh uh doing sort of breath-based meditation which i do yeah. about 10 minutes before going into in fact, I would say, like, I value yoga more after leaving India because it's sort of uh, the. Evidence. So I think for me, it's an inter- it's an integral part of uh, what I do. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm a uh, I'm a y- yoga. I look. The key thing is, although I'm quite scientific, I look yoga from a purely from a scientific point of view. Mm-hmm. You know, I look at the physical benefits and the physiological benefits from mm-hmm. my breathing. Uh, so um, uh, you know, uh, I, you know, obviously there's a spiritual benefits to it. We all know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for me, I think it's. Uh, you know, it's quite, you know, it can be modified to anyone. You know, if you, there's some people who just want the physical aspect for some people who just want the, you know, right. psychological benefits. So the beauty of yoga is you can tailor it to whatever you need, isn't it? Hmm?
0: Absolutely. Be, be mm-hmm. case, Iyengar, rest in peace. May he rest in peace. Yeah. Love exa- exactly what you're saying. This, uh, yeah. uh, now, um, what you've just said is a great silo into where we're kind of going. I mean, you, 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 uh, you, you say in the article, so you were about two months ago from when we're talking, um, you were interviewed by the BBC and the, the, the uh, article had a quite a kind of uh, um, uh, big uh, headline which said yoga teachers are risking serious uh, hip problems. I don't know what you think of that yeah. <laughs> headline. Yeah, the but thing it, is, uh, I need to apologize to the
1: readers. See, when you work with professional <laughs> journalists, the, you don't have any say on the title, on the flow. Yeah. So it was, it was just based on a call like you and me doing. So uh, the idea was not to demonize yoga or try to portray in a bad light. The idea oh, was, cool. yeah. So the idea here was to, I, you know, heighten awareness that uh, uh, just like any sport. So just to give you a bit of an idea here is mm. like if you look at any sports, for example, the injury rate in yoga is, uh, is quite low. It's around 7%. Uh, um, so that's uh, quite acceptable when you look into for example, if you look at uh, running, for example, uh, you know, marathon running, uh, it can go up to 50 to 60 percent. So running is definitely more, um, mm. you know, injurious than yoga. So it's anything less than 10 percent is considered to be safe. But um, the feeling in some teachers is that yoga is like infallible, like you can't go wrong with it. Yes. It's, it's, like anything, if you do improperly, can cause injury. So it's not the yoga itself. It's the, you know, ignoring symptoms, uh, repetitive postures and uh, ignoring anatomy. So. I looked at it from a purely scientific point of view, and what I what I was really surprising is I started um, specializing in hips around seven or eight years ago, and okay. the majority of my patients would be, uh, 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 generally you get hip problems when you have, when you're playing rotational sports, for example, mm-hmm. football, hockey, anything with fast rotation and cutting is generally which puts the hip under stress. Of the femur which, joint. Yes, yes, okay. of the hip joint, joint. Yeah. So when you do fast cutting, so generally straight line activities is okay for the hips. Mm-hmm. You you rarely get problem with straight line running and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you do f- sudden cutting and uh, you know sudden change of direction, it can be a problem. So what surprised me was I was getting that having hip problem. Could they recommend somebody who specializes in hips? So what surprised me was th- you know this. These teachers were in peak condition, uh, you know, they were in good health, uh, you know, slim, you know, athletic, doing a lot of exercises, but they were in constant pain. Uh, Mm. um, And because there is something about yoga, which I find is similar to dance. So the yoga, yoga teachers and dance and dancers can switch off pain because those two exercises are uh, brain body connection exercises. You know, like a lot of dancers uh, dance with severe pain on the foot. I've seen people bleed with the feet and still dance without Mm. much because I think mentally, when if you do a lot of yoga, you can switch off your uh, pain centers or make it less painful. Exactly so,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. So a lot of teachers were struggling with uh, a lot of pain for years, and uh, uh, and uh, they got a point where they couldn't even walk for more than ten meters. They couldn't sleep.
0: They couldn't know. sit.
1: For, uh, they couldn't sit for fifteen minutes. But they were doing classes back to back. You know, mm. so so I turned around and asked, you know, why did why did not you come earlier? You know, what made you to
0: Mm. delayed
1: help and uh, most of the times they felt like uh, they had to stretch more they felt like uh, you know they were at fault you know they felt like guilty about it so there's a lot of deeper deeper reasons where i couldn't really understand at that stage you know so mm. why because if you have pain you come early isn't it you know you don't sure. know really on that so the sort of uh where i got blurred was this spiritual overlap with pain and all that yes. stuff where people mix up emotions and pain and all that so uh, For me, it's quite simple. If you're in pain, uh, it's not. Uh, it's, it's not a. It's not. Uh, you know, it's simple. You seek medical help, you know, from somebody who's trained in that, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So um so and then uh, then I started treating, and so that's where my interests g- grow. And uh, you know, the yoga teachers, Pilates teachers, I treat. They're the great patients because they're really receptive. Uh, they once you make them understand, it's it's positional, and you know, it's uh, certain postures. Uh, one of the first things I teach when somebody comes to me is um, the variability of hips. So uh, I yeah. say to my patients, hips are like faces. Uh, same two faces are not the same. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's a combination of the shape of your hip is determined by partly 50% by your genetics and 50% of what you do when you're young. So one of the questions I ask my patients when they come to me is, Tell me how active you were from the age of eight to eighteen. Mm-hmm. So, if you have twins, for example, you have two children, you know, uh, both are identical twins. If one child has been inactive and another child was highly active, by the by the age they're eighteen, they'll have totally different hips. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, till your growth plates fuse, you you are um, activity levels modify. It's a you know uh, it adapts to the forces. So if you've done a lot of gymnastics, you've done a lot of uh, you know football. If you've done a lot of hockey. Uh, certain bone changes adapt, which could end up in problem in some people later in life, you know, mm-hmm. so, so it's not like you're born with a particular type. You, your, your mother, your, the most important factor is your mother, for example, you, if your mother had an early hip replacement, like if your mom had a hip replacement at 45, mm-hmm you're more likely to get that because you you get your genetic from your mom, mainly from a a hip point of view, you know. Mm. uh, But your activities from your childhood also makes a big factor as well, you know. So there are hundreds of various combinations possible on the hips. So uh, and there is this sort of feeling that you can stretch out your bone out, you know, you can't really, you know, you've got a limit with certain uh, physiological limits, which is determined. And where I think the confusion comes is where people confuse bone stiffness versus muscle stiffness. That's a yes. concept, really, you know. Where, yes. So, when you feel like a block, when you feel like a pinching, where you feel like a grinding, uh, 9 out of 10, it's mostly your body telling you, stop, you know. Mm. Don't, don't go there. That's your physique. That's your limit of your bone. Mm. And, uh, no amount of stretching, no amount of pulling, no amount of prodding will necessarily give you more. <laughs> uh, what you need to do is respect and love your body and work with it, you know. That's the key thing, isn't it, so uh, so uh, that that's where I think things uh, picked up, you know. So those are the key factors which really got me into uh, where I started going in depth from. Uh, because I used to think, you know, yoga, you shouldn't really be coming to me, you know, because, you know, you uh, you should be in top health. You shouldn't be really coming to me with pain, you know. Mm. But I'm surprised that, um, you know, uh, it's not the case in a small. See, you have to remember, this is a very small percentage of people, you know, we're talking about maybe. Right not even five percent even right. less than that who have struggled so majority of patients you don't get any problem but the problem is as you know yoga is, is you know exploding there are there's at, at least 40 schools of yoga yes you know half a million people go to classes every week in the uk um, you know like with anything you get physios you've got different qualities i'm sure with yoga teachers you got you know the good not so good you know all that sort of variety isn't it not everybody is at the same same like that's that's true for anything isn't it you know
0: absolutely yeah so Uh, i mean you've said so much so many fascinating things there which would i'd like to unpack yeah um but before we get in into that from from a physio perspective um, yeah what do you see as the opportunities uh from a from a from a kind of a recovery or from a body optimization so Mm. there are obviously risks which we're going to talk about but what do you Mm -hmm. see as the major opportunities compared to other sports like swimming rugby football soccer Mm. uh, gym workout etc
1: yeah so i think with the yoga thing is there's a couple of things is you know you do get this repetitive uh, type of postures whereas people love certain postures and keep on doing it you know again Mm -hmm. and again yeah so the one thing which i can stand without with full confidence and say you is the body loves variety, you know, Uh, with everyone Mm. who comes to whether it's a yoga or a footballer. One thing I'll say to him is embrace. So I I sort of say this as a triad, you know, like, for example, like what's the healthy, like what's a healthy diet? You need carbs. You yeah. need fat and you need protein. Nobody disagrees with that, isn't it? You right. need three things. Carbs are not bad, protein is not bad, and fats is not bad. So the same concept can be applied in uh, in fitness as well. So I look at three elements. You need cardio, you need that flexibility, mind-body connection, and you also mm-hmm. need strength training. The three mm-hmm. elements, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So the, you get some, some yoga teachers where, uh, you know, they ignore the strength element, you know? They yes. just seven days of uh, yoga, but uh, no cardio. So... Uh, obviously, if you, as a yoga teacher, you need to do more uh, yoga, but at least once a week, if you can add a bit of strength work, you know, it could be planks, a mm-hmm. it could be simple, you know, like a cable workout. So sometimes you need to be strong enough to do yoga on the first place, you know, mm-hmm. just like a, just like you can't suddenly start doing a marathon training. You need to be fit enough to do that. So I think people, I try to you know uh, make them realize the importance of cross training. You know, you need a bit of cardio. Mm-hmm. Strength work doesn't mean like lifting 80 kilos on a barbell or something like that, you know. It could be mm-hmm. something as simple as doing some band work, um, you know, some machines and other stuff. And uh, I don't think it spoils the ethos of yoga, really, because it makes you better yoga, I feel. Like, you know, if you're strong, sure, uh, then you can, you can do the postures better and stronger with less pain. So I think there is no disconnect or a conflict between Mixing it up with uh, other, uh, you know, you don't, you don't have to just. So, give an example. Like, you know, all professional sports people will look cross training. You know, they'll do a bit of gym work. They'll do recovery. They'll even do even footballers do a bit of yoga. So we all understand that cross training is the way to go. So, but I find reluctance in some teachers that. Not to do other, when I say do a bit of weight training, they just look at me and they think, you're crazy. I, I, won't, I, won't, I won't go to the gym, you know, I won't do the bands, uh, you know, mm. just tell me yoga. So I think that sort of reluctance to embrace other areas of training um, could be a problem, really. And that could be something and is it, like...
0: Is it just us yogis who are like that or do you see our weightlifters like yeah, yeah, yeah. that as same, well? same. So Same. I think the, yeah.
1: So the main thing is the two, the three groups, two three groups. I find yoga's yoga teachers for that. The second group I find very difficult is runners. Mm-hmm. Uh, runners can be a big problem. Runners will not do any strength work. They just want to run. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the group. And the third group is dancers. The dancers wow. overstretch. They overstretch. They just stretch, 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 and then they think stretching is enough. So uh, importance of strength work as well. So uh, I don't. You're you're right. It's not unique to. Um, uh, uh, yoga teachers but those groups i find they can be some people can be stubborn in their uh, mm. and, uh, where they feel like um they feel like yoga is enough or running well is I th- enough.
0: you know i think in in the modern i mean you've, we've talked a little bit about bksa engar but you also have the ashtanga style and yeah. um those are just two of the biggest examples of and i think there is a culture in yoga that yoga is kind of a uh, and a uh, uh, one pill for everything and you just do that and you can fix everything and it's yeah. so refreshing to hear um uh, from somebody outside of our bubble we're talking mm-hmm. bubbles um, yeah that we have to be very wary of that
1: yeah and the, the studies have come new, new study, because one of the things i'm passionate about is um injury prevention in children so we're seeing a lot of hip and knee injury with kids uh, and one the biggest reason has been found was early specialization before the age of 12 or three so if you have if you've got a kid Suppose you've got like a seven-year-old or eight-year-old boy or girl mm-hmm. who is good in football. Mm-hmm. If It makes sense to make them play football seven days a week because it's logical. You know, they're good at football. Mm-hmm. Uh, let them play seven days. But the evidence have shown, like, if you let them play more than four days one sport, your injury rate is massively high for uh, ah. all injuries. So, uh, in fact, doing one sport more than four days a week. So, one of the things I say to my clients is not to do the same um, activity. Suppose you're running, uh, my sort of sweet spot with most activities are on four, four or five maximum. You know, mm-hmm. so if if you're a runner, don't go more than four times a week. You know, if mm-hmm. you're weight train, don't go more than four. Obviously, you can break that rule for a short period. Suppose you have got a competition, you know, right? Uh, you got you got an even coming, but in a lifelong, a long-term thing, or if you're doing yoga, mix it up. You know, have a have an intense session one day, have an easy session another day. Uh, you know, have an outdoor session. So even in yoga, you could do seven days, but you could mix it up in different ways, you know. One okay. could be hip dominant. So, for example, I get a runner and he says, I'm going to run six days, I won't stop. So what I would say to the runner would be is, okay, one day, why don't you run on the treadmill? The second day, why don't you run outside on a normal grass? Third day, why don't you run on a uh, off trail, in a trail running, you know, by mm-hmm. nature? So the studies have shown even that by mixing it up, Even the same sport, but doing different environment and different surfaces can reduce Mm. your injury. So even with yoga, you can make subtle changes, you know, so Mm. you could, uh, you could vary the speed. uh, You could vary the focus, you know, one could be breath faced, one could be faster. Mm. So the the brain and the body is designed for variety. It it craves variety, you know. Mm. Uh, The best way to get injured is doing the same thing again and again and again. And
0: and there are yoga styles which are exactly that. uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. so that's yeah. uh, that's all, and you are uh, that's not
1: unique to yoga if you do the same patterns and again again you just you know your body doesn't really uh, recover uh, and it puts you on high, extremely high risk so uh, no injury prevention will work unless you uh, add a bit of variety and that could be yoga that could be a bit of strength work it could be a bit of cardio and uh, a lot of yoga teachers when they come to me what they say is once they, they hate it initially when they when I put them on uh, some strength work, but then they say after four or six weeks that they enjoy the yoga even better because yeah. it makes them it makes them better in other areas. of uh, So yoga.
0: so if we take these three pillars, you've got strength, cardio, and stretching. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. are you saying in general terms? Because yoga is a big world, and I'll, I'll get myself in trouble yeah. by making blanket statements. But yeah. in in general, um, I think yoga focuses very much on one of those pillars on stretching. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They do they, we do play with cardio and and. Strength, but less, I would say. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. And and so you so one of you would say which is. Ah. Mm. Sorry, off you go.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think the the, the unique thing of yoga, like dance and other places, is it's got the mind body element because we know that that is unique with the uh, yoga, unlike uh, running or you know, unlike uh, on the treadmill or on the gym or weight training, that uh, brain body connection is unique. So. Um, you get that mental effect. I would say the mental effects are far greater in yoga than other areas, you know. Because, Wonderful. uh, yeah, so we definitely some if you're stressed then and you're already overworked, then doing more cardio might not be a good option. In fact, yoga might be better because your nervous system is already jacked up, your sympathetic drive is already high, and doing a lot more. Uh, I find a lot of people push HIIT training when they're already exhausted, you know. Yes. So, you need to do something which is parasympathetic to calm Absolutely. down. Your, uh, so uh, and a lot of this training you know it's like sometimes you crave for um, you know burger. sometimes you crave for a salad you know (laughs) Uh, so I guess the body is the same with exercise as well I guess isn't it you know Mm. sometimes you want to eat session sometimes you just want to go for a swim so so I think it's just not trying to because we like something doesn't mean more of it is good you know Mm. Uh, so I think we need to look at from a scientific point of view and say you know uh, yoga is a great discipline but on its own, like they you know, you know, I might get bashing up, but no discipline can claim that that's the only way to full fulfillment or uh, bliss or health. You know. Well, yeah,
0: I mean, it's it's getting out of it's getting out of the paradigm of yoga, which, as you've mentioned, has a very uh, kind of very psycho spiritual aspect to it. Yeah. And many of many many yogis um, uh, feel that they can only get that kind of connection or that effect when they're in a yoga posture. Yeah. But I think if yeah. you talk to mountain rock climbers or runners um, I'm always amazed as to how how profound some of their experiences are uh, it it
1: could be something uh, from the work from the flow state you know from the psychology world so so it could be for some people I've seen people you know they get just from cleaning the garden you know or doing the stuff so anything which puts you in a flow state uh, can only be good for you you know and some people it's yoga some people it's uh, running ultramarathon you know some people it's painting so uh, where your brain is detached and you're in that flow state is is it's, definitely wonderful, stuff. To, it's wonderful stuff it's a great way to you know rewire and uh, you know prevent all these problems later you know uh, things uh, so it's definitely to be encouraged but we can't say like you know uh, it's a panacea uh, one pill
0: yeah. for everything right yeah. now I, I want to change tack a little bit because you've said something right uh, very early on um, about um, About uh, 50%. uh, I think we're talking about you're talking about the acetabulum uh, specifically, and how its how its shape and orientation, its Mm. depth is 50% uh, decided on by our our DNA and 50% Mm. by um, Mm. activities we grow up. Now this this is a huge this is a huge statement in the yoga world because we have statements like, um, and I don't want to again I get in trouble with with uh, singling out styles, but we have sayings like. Uh, practice and all is coming. Mm. All you have to do is mm. keep practicing, keep going, keep going to yoga class, mm. keep doing that same thing, and eventually mm. you'll get to you'll get to that pose, and mm. that, you know, uh, earth shattering uh, emotions and uh, enlightenment will come. Now, yeah. what you are saying is very, very different to that. Can can mm. we talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So
1: I think you know this is sort of uh, you know one of the you know this one of the philosophies i like which sort of, uh, which i think goes with the yoga is stoicism you know the ancient greek stoicism which mm-hmm. is picked up, picked up one of the key tenets of the that philosophy is they have this the first philosophy is knowing things you can control and things you can't control mm-hmm. you know? so yeah. everything in life falls into that two groups you know mm-hmm. uh, the the headaches the headaches in life when you mix up both so if you for <laughs> example if you look at hip you know if you look at hip joint you know um there are two there are two Areas. So if you look at the basic movements, for example, flexion, extension, you know, front plane, you know, Mm -hmm. abduction, internal internal rotation, external rotation. Mm -hmm. So not all are the same, really. And uh, uh, I would agree practice. For example, if you practice, you can definitely improve your abduction. You can definitely improve your extension. So there are two areas which are uh, more uh, placed to to, um, uh, genetic influence and your morphology. The, the first one is the internal rotation, you know, the mm-hmm. rotation, uh, which is, uh, I would say is 90 to 94% highly determined by your uh, genetic
0: and your, uh, bone and, structure. And mine, and mine sucks, by the way, just so mm-hmm. that we know. <laughs>
1: yeah. So the internal rotation is pretty much, so the internal rotation and the second one is flexion, you know, how much flexion you mm-hmm. can, take. so those mm-hmm. two are really stubborn to, um, you know, pushing through because they are highly controlled by your, um, uh, bone um, variation whereas if you want to improve your abduction if you want to improve your extension if you want to improve your external rotation so i think coming back to the same stoic philosophy is you know of course your practice is going to improve those areas so if you want to improve your hip extension if you want to improve your abduction you can push through it and you will improve and you'll gain five degrees ten degrees over a year so absolutely fine where the problem happens is if you try to push through your internal rotation mm. so What I'm uh, something I put recently on Twitter, which is uh, not from yoga, but from a different field is I'm seeing a lot of CrossFit guys Mm -hmm. come to me with hip problems. So they do this sort of weird drills called hip mobility drills where they just yak their hip into internal rotation to 30 times. They try to push into that range Mm -hmm. because some guru has told them that that will improve their internal rotation, you know, Mm. Uh, and uh, uh, they start well. They feel a bit of pinching they keep on pushing and after two months or three months they are in my clinic because they, they can't squat they are in pain so yeah. uh, what what the guru has or the teacher has not told you is you can't improve your internal rotation uh, you can improve maybe 2 or 3 degrees here and there mm. but you can't make a massive leap in that so i think the first point is knowing what element of your mobility you can improve mm. by practice and what element of your practice you can't change and you just have to accept that you know so the two elements to that
0: and that's a i mean that's a huge in in yoga and i, I guess you're I'm, i'd be fascinated if you come across this in other disciplines but you know yoga almost fetishizes range of motion and uh, yeah. you are more advanced not only physically um, mm. but you're more advanced almost evolutionary almost in a spiritual way if you can do a bigger deeper yeah. Uh, more impressive pose and yeah. i think that's one of the huge cultural challenges that we have um, mm. in our discipline mm. is kind of working with and working against that uh, kind of stereotype
1: yeah but uh, what i would say is see, the key thing is see we have to remember the body is extremely robust you know the hip is uh, is a very deep joint it's uh, unlike it's got the maximum muscle. It's got about 24 muscles around it
0: mm. uh, It's got yeah. double
1: the muscles than the shoulder mm. and it's it's covered by uh, the strongest ligament in the body called the y-ligament So mm. the y-ligament is the strongest ligament anywhere in the body and it's yes. there in the front of it. so the hip is not going to uh, Just one bad class is gone. is not going to wreck your hip in any way mm. So the this is the what I would give is rather than worrying too much is first thing is if you're exceeding the limit the body will give you a gentle reminder. It'll, the first thing you're going to feel is that feeling of pinching, where you're feeling a, a bit of a block, you know, mm-hmm. deep, deep deep in your groin. That's the first sign. Body gently reminding you, "Hello, uh, you reached your limit. Please stop." You know, just telling you, just uh, that, just giving a little bit of a reminder, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that you reached that. So what happens is. Uh, majority of patients and clients ignore that sign you know Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, so it's very different from a muscle pull suppose you know you know you stretch a hamstring you know right you stretch your adductors that's different you know Uh, this is like an ache this is like a block where you feel like uh, it's like a uh, different people use different words so the words they use is grinding pinching catching this sort of words uh, must give you a bit of a warning sign that
0: uh, there is something with the joint which is not right, you know? Uh, and and when, when we talk with uh, yoga students about this, generally, mm-hmm. muscular pain, I don't know if this if this, uh, if this mm-hmm. is how you see it also, muscular pain is longitudinal, you know, it's yes. between the hip and the knee. Yes. People kind of rub mm-hmm. longitudinally, for example, along the quads. If it's yeah. a joint pain, people send, tend to point in yes. a
1: specific area. Is that yeah. what you see also? Yeah. 100%. I think that's a beautiful way of putting it. I think I, I'm going to pick that. So that's that's exactly what I say is when you get like an ache where it's more along the muscle belly, you know, it's definitely a muscle thing. And it's like when you, suppose you've done some squats, you've gone for a run. Uh, what I call a good pain, you know, the muscle achy pain is a good pain. You know, you've you've earned that. You've got the domes, you, you're you building the rebuilding. That's mm-hmm. something to be proud of. You know, that's a good uh, workout pain. Right. But the deep ache, that deep, sharp pinching that sharp you know stabbing uh you know that sort of uh discomfort you know uh yeah. even i've i've heard people even push beyond that and they feel sick uh, you know because you know it becomes so hard that they even get that sort of autoimmune you know auto you know autonomic ah. s- signs so like Sweating and si- feeling sick, you know something in the tummy because the pain once it reaches it's closely uh, linked with the limbic uh, You must know this uh, limbic system, right you know, where, which controls all your rage and emotions. So the f- interesting thing about the pain is it's got a strong influence from the limbic system, which is mm. the prim- primitive area So you got this sort of the pain centers which are influenced by your emotions and your rage and things like that So when the pain is ignored It starts affecting your emotions massively and vice versa, you know, Mm. emotions can affect. So then you get this sort of uh, feeling of, uh, you know, anxiety, the pain, the fear and all that sort of. So it becomes a very vicious cycle, really, you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, so pain is there to give you a bit of guidance. And if you ignore that, then the brain, the brain, it's an alarm system, isn't it? Pain. So then, yeah, then, then the limbic system gets really angry. Uh, And uh, you know, that's what gives you the rage, you know, and in
0: so many physical disciplines uh, We have sayings which are in effect, you know, no pain, no gain Mm -hmm. and uh, That gets you so far as you said as your as your Greek um, uh, Greek philosophy story Mm -hmm. earlier that gets you so far but I think We are in I can only talk for yoga, but we are so we are so um, Keen on progress and so keen on going places that we we, yeah. we we are poor at interpreting and identifying pain. Yeah. Um. Are you able to? Um. Is there? Are there? Are there? Are there good either? T- for example, timeline or um, if for for example, how long a pain endures or is yeah. there? We talked about longitudinal versus. Yeah. Point. are there other other kind of red flags if yes, you yes like?
1: yeah yeah that's a very yeah. good point because the first thing i'm interested is uh, the timelines can be useful but they're not really useful on its own the first the first thing i'm really interested is the character of, uh, obviously the pains let's start from a simple score you know let's okay. start from a simple thing from zero to ten you know like okay first thing i'm going to ask is something simple you know from an intensity point of view you know if somebody says two out of ten one out of ten I'm not too worried. If they say 9 out of 10, you know, and they can't sit, that, 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 that means there's something we need to worry about. It's not a perfect scale, but that's the starting point. So first thing I look is the intensity, really, you know, mm. how intense the pain, uh, anything more than, you know, four or five means that there is some issues with the alarm system that something needs to get changed. You know, something mm-hmm. is not something. The second element, in fact, the more important element is the character, character of the pain. Not all pain is the difference. So I'll ask them describe the type of pain, you know, some people will say pain is pain, no different. Right. There are, uh, clearly, there are different types of pain, you know, when sure. you burn, uh, when you burn your hand, when you have a pinprick, uh, when you uh, something falls on your leg. So I'll say, is it a dull ache? You know, you should like a throbbing pain. Uh, is, it, is it like a sharp pain? Is it stabbing pain or is it a sickening pain? You know, is it pins and needles? You know, all that sort of I try to give all these words, you know. Mm. Um, so a clue is when a patient uses words which are very emotive, you know, when they say something like, you know, is sickening, it is stabbing, it's sharp, when they use very sharp, you know, those sort of words, it generally means like that is a red flag for me, you know. Mm. So, it's sort of, uh, it means like there's something much more deeper than that. If they say it's a bit of ache, you know, it's a bit of, uh, you know, blob, then it's not so worrying. So, that's the second element of that. Mm. Uh, the next element is, uh, I'll ask them, is how does your pain affect your life? That's the most important thing. Isn't ah, it? yes. Uh, yeah, how does your pain affect your life? So, they'll say, Okay, they'll say for one patient will say no, actually uh, when I do the yoga class uh, It's a bit so for two hours, but it's fine. You know, that's okay. You know, right the other person the same yoga class will say uh, When I do the same class, um, I'm limping for two days <laughs> you know? um, uh, And a lot of people which is highly relevant here, is most hip pathology especially highly relevant with women whenever you are uh, this is uh, you know, there's something which I didn't really ask till the last three four years is there's a strong relationship between uh, hip hip pathologies or, you know, hip symptoms and yes. pain, pain during sex. So uh-huh. nearly 95% of people who have hip issues have pain during sex, wow. especially women. So, uh, so if a... F- Female, and obviously people don't see the connection, you know. So uh-huh. because they think my hip is So so most pathology when they have sexual relationship, they'll have quite severe pain. So that's something I'll ask them as well. Is it painful when? you And they'll think they immediately will recognize that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You know, for the last two years, the same wow. time when I have a problem, I'm getting pain during sex as well. So I try to look into all areas. Uh, so first thing I'll ask them: Tell me when you're sitting in an office, how much can you sit? So for me, the biggest red flag. That uh, let me give you three. The most three. The three, okay. the three things you don't want to ignore first thing is limping limping is a strict no-no humans should not limp you know <laughs> unless you unless you have a problem isn't it yeah?
0: right yeah. so
1: limping makes me seek there's something really uh, wrong so if you're limping even for a few minutes here and there that means there's something quite significantly issue that's the uh limping the second red flag for me is night pain so night pain means uh, we're not talking pain when you're you It wakes you up, you know, mm-hmm. go to bed and it wakes you up, you know, mm-hmm. you have to get up twice a day That is definitely not normal with musculoskeletal pain, you know mm-hmm. So you're waking up So pain that makes you a bit worried that uh, but generally night pain is highly linked with inflammation So mm-hmm. the hip is irritated the capsule everything gets irritated. Uh, it tells you that you've got an active inflammation uh, So which means it tells you you've got an irritated joint really mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, So the third red flag is sitting time. So I'll ask them how much can you sit without pain so you'll be surprised how many yoga teachers who do full classes can't even sit for 15 minutes hmm? and they have pain in their hip joint yeah, for, yeah, after hip sitting joint. for a while they're sitting for a while and for mm-hmm. uh, me every human in the world without pain should be able to sit for at least 45 minutes without pain
0: hmm? yeah uh, I mean I I've spent most of my life uh, in Asia in, in <clears throat> Hong Kong and, and China and yeah. uh, mm-hmm. it's very well known that all Tibetan monks and nuns have have terrible hip and back problem getting into their fifties yeah. because they're, they're sitting in huge abduction and external rotation for, you know, yeah. and, yeah, uh, and, yeah. uh, yeah. and they can't sit anymore and that's a tragedy for them.
1: Yeah. But we're talking about normal Western sitting in a chair, you know. I'm not talking mm-hmm. about like a... And pair. even
0: that's painful. Wow. Yeah.
1: We're talking about simple sitting, like, you know, on a chair, mm. uh, typing, typing on a computer at work. Uh, I'm not talking about the lotus position at all here, you know.
0: So they're so they're, they're impinging or pinching in the front of the acetabulum, acetabulum joint? Yeah. They feel like... So, see, this is the
1: thing. They won't. They can't pinpoint a specific point. They'll say it's more like a discomfort, you know, ache. They can't... Okay. It's very very uncomfortable for them to sit. So many times when they come to me in my clinic where I'm taking... So I spend like a good 40 minutes taking the history. After 10 minutes, they just stand up. I know straight away they've got a hip problem, you know. So, mm. so they can't watch movies. They can't sit with a partner. So this has a very terrible effect on their life. They can't have sex with a partner. They can't sit. They can't play with the kids. Mm. Uh, but, but they're doing uh, they're doing 20 classes in the week. <laughs> yeah,
0: That's <laughs> so, incredible.
1: Yeah, and you look at them and they look like really athletic and really a uh, very fit. And mm. you look at them, you would not think in instant they are in such
0: discomfort, you know. Mm. So they're very good at masking the symptoms. So, so if I recap, re- recap a little bit, we're we're touching on so many bases here. Um, mm. uh, so you have three pillars of 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 of, of, of like three guidelines for good mm. health, which is yeah. cross training, so strength, mm. um, flexibility, and mm. endurance. Yeah, we're all genetically different, and our childhood affects us mm. hugely yes um and muscular uh or soft tissue pain is very different in nature it tends to be longitudinal compared to kind of dull aching sharp mm. point point like pain yes um now how do you um how do you what kind of injuries do you do yoga teachers and yoga uh people come to you with what are the kind of the classic ones that you see in the, in and around the hips yeah so they sort of uh, so um
1: so so let me start with the most harmless and the most common one. Especially you start with this. Uh, this sort of is highly common in that 40 plus women, you know, like middle age plus uh, mm-hmm. female teachers. So it's a common condition called. Uh, it's got different names. It's called um, you know lateral hip syndrome or gluteal tendinopathy or trochantric bursitis. So it's okay. got different names. So basically, you got some tendons, about two key tendons on the side of the hips. Mm -hmm. Um, And when women, you know, like when they reach like a pre-peri or postmenopausal, that age, the estrogen drops, uh, comes down and that affects the tendon strength. So again, there is a strong argument for women after 40 to do strength training Mm -hmm. because the the tendon health uh, is deteriorated by the drop in estrogen right so 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 the typical would be uh, so that tendon pain we call the gluteal tendon on the side that's a very common presentation you know Ah, the gluteal tendon okay yeah gluteal tendon some people call it bursitis but actually bursitis is a wrong word because the evidence shows it's more a tendon problem than inflammation you know okay basically it's a deconditioned uh, weak tendon on the sides so uh, they get pain when so typical will be you know they'll say I get pain when I'm doing stairs I get pain when I'm um, doing any single leg postures, you know, Mm -hmm. like, you know, like uh, advanced, uh, you know, single leg postures. And and I'm getting pain when I lie on the side at night, you know. So that's your typical posture, you know. So the good news is with this is a lot of people, uh, especially the men or women, that it's got a a four is to one uh, female to male, which means it's it's probably I would say 90 percent female because of the shape of the pelvis you know over stretches mm-hmm. the hips so okay. uh, a lot of uh people are scared they think they got hip arthritis so they're really relieved when i tell them like it's nothing to do with the hip joint it's just a tendon problem you know
0: so it's going to be on the lateral outside, yes, on, outside along the it band somewhere yes along? yes higher higher up the it band you know higher up so towards glute max and yeah, head, yeah okay yeah. and it can
1: go a little bit front and it can go a little bit back but prominently they can pinpoint uh, there's a there's a landmark called greater trochanter where right you have the so the pain is pretty much really around that region you know okay uh, And this patient, this patient group uh, we can pretty much give a, a very success We can give a success rate of 90 percent because it's a tendon there's nothing wrong with the joint so we have got a particular sequence of strength protocol which have been proven by science uh, about a 12 weeks uh, specific strength protocol mm-hmm. right so we give them that particular exercises uh, but tendons a bit slower so Uh, The way I say to my patients is you're going to see improvement month by month not week by week, right? So uh, in three four months, I would say majority are uh, nearly uh, Much much improved. Mm -hmm. So it's one of my easiest condition Uh, I can treat that every day because it's sort of easy to uh, you know uh, Predict and they they do really well, you know, Mm -hmm. so uh, that again uh, Is a simple condition if they come to me early then we can have a a nearly good outcome so Mm -hmm. that what I call extra articular from outside the hip now the second group is uh, that that's the soft tissue one. The second group is what I see the early osteoarthritis, you know, the early osteoarthritis okay. is um, it's got a very strong Caucasian uh, link. So ah. we know that uh, if you, if you look at the literature, so I worked in India for two years and I didn't even see one hip osteoarthritis in my two years, you know, wow. so uh, the osteoarthritis in India, the hip is only because of trauma or other reasons. You don't get primary hip osteoarthritis. So it's got a very strong Caucasian link. So uh, white people, unfortunately, they are at high risk of getting hip hiposteo- and it runs in some some families,
0: you know. And some is po- this due to a specific uh, gene? Uh, gene. It's a, gene. It's and a gene. Is it due to a specific movement uh, oh. pathway? Yeah, yeah. It, uh, we re- we
1: really don't know whether it's a nature nurture or maybe how you spend your early childhood as well. I think it has a role, you know, because in India we spend a lot of time squatting when we're young. So is you know, it
0: is it mainly flexion? Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, yeah. Flexion and abduction. Ah, okay. so, so there is definitely if you go for any hospital in UK, like, you know, after 60, about 10 to 15 percent of the population will have hip osteoarthritis, you know. Mm, so it's wow. extremely common condition, extremely mm. common condition. In the, but in some people, unfortunately, it comes a bit early. It comes 20 years earlier, you know, so mm. they get a the bit of symptoms around 35, 40. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it doesn't mean like you have to rush to uh, rush to a hip replacement. Uh, mild, mild to moderate cases can be well managed with the uh, physio uh, with rehabilitation. And specific uh, training so uh, obviously we can't cure it but we can improve their quality of life so that's the second so the typical sign would be is somebody like them will say the classical sign there would be stiffness so those people will right. say I will have uh, so one of my key questions I ask them is do you have difficulty putting shoes and socks in the morning mm. uh, and so oh yeah you're right I have to ask my husband to put my socks and so then you know that he <laughs> I know this person definitely has hip osteoarthritis. You know, ah. so, so with any arthritis, the classical signs are stiffness, and so, stiffness
0: in the joint specifically.
1: Yeah, in the, in the morning, in the morning when they get up in the morning. In the morning, you know? okay. So they feel, a bit, uh, and also when they've been sitting for long periods, this they're watching, mm-hmm. telling, mm-hmm. and they get up for about five minutes. They feel a bit stiff and they slightly limp. You know, okay. So it's not osteo osteoarthritis is never severe in the initial stages. It's more like an ache. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very rare to see below, uh, to see it uh, happening before the age of 40 unless you you had some other problems. So generally you're talking about uh, men and women after 40, you know, 40, 45, okay. um, so um, that is very slow. It goes, it goes very slowly. Um, they usually come to me when it starts affecting their sleep and they're limping. Wow. So if you ask yeah. them, they'll say, I had this bit of ache and stiffness for about eight years. But for the last six, months, <laughs> but for the last six months, I'm limping, you know. Right. Uh, but I'm here because my wife asked me to come. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> because for we guys, should...
0: yeah, we're not very good at that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So yeah,
1: because uh, I think I'm walking a bit awkward, and my friends are commenting on that, mm. you know. So the limp is becomes obvious. They start to shuffle. They get night pain and all that stuff. You know. Obviously, it happens very, very slowly. You know. Mm. Uh, three. 5 years, 8 years, 10 years, 15 years. So in some people, it's rapid. In some people, it's uh, quicker. Uh, We feel there is a strong uh, genetic uh, contribution. So one of the key things I ask with my patients is, uh, uh, tell me about your mother, you know, uh, and your siblings. Uh, Any of them had early arthritis and hip replacement? Mm -hmm. So if I get a patient, uh, suppose she is like uh, 38, and she says that her mother had a hip replacement at 45, uh pretty much nine out of ten she also has the same problem you know mm. uh, because you can't escape your mother's uh, genetic uh, right. you know influence so yeah uh, family history is a huge as well you know so you need to ask your from you know your mother your siblings if any of them had early hip replacement uh e- because you're more likely to have the same sort of hip as well you know and how
0: do you how do you treat early osteoarthritis in the
1: yeah hip? so yeah so, so early osteoarthritis they hip if if they come early so for me early means without limping without night pain Yeah. You know? okay so yeah you know, so and uh, that can be so so for any osteoarthritis is usually uh you know we've got set patterns whether it's a knee so the lifestyle factors are you know you don't want to gain more weight because that is a problem for hips yeah. and knees you know um and um uh, impact activities, funny enough they don't cause more problem as long as it not even i let people run 5k as long as you're not limping the next day we know that as long as you're within your personal limit it doesn't cause more problem you know so there's no need to stop uh, against against popular opinion uh, running doesn't accelerate uh, arthritis and how Uh, about uh, how
0: about yoga what do you think
1: Yeah, yoga is perfect there because uh, in fact you you lose flexibility so yoga is perfect there to gain the flexibility back because one of the hallmark of uh, uh, in fact even non yoga patients when they come to me with osteoarthritis I will recommend a bit of yoga for them because to keep the stiffness away. Well,
0: let me put the question another way because, you know, what I see in yoga is because of our desire to have as much range of motion as possible. Yeah. If you if you gave that advice to a, uh, a yoga teacher who mm. didn't know better mm. uh, and you said to them, sure, keep doing yoga, they would go back to their very intense, fairly extreme practice and probably exacerbate the problem. Yeah. So the
1: key thing is, uh, the, one of the things I say to them is not to push into flexion and internal rotation. Right. Those are the two ones which really aggravate things, you know. Mm. So I don't find, ex- in fact, pushing gaining the extension doesn't cause much problems, you know. So mm. and again, the same advice is, you know, uh, don't push if you feel any pinching and uh, catching feeling. It's mm. it's it's respecting that feeling really, you know. It's uh, I don't I hate asking people to stop postures but I say is respect that range you know Ex- uh, yeah
0: that's a key point so yeah. respect respect that range you don't need to go deeper you don't need to go further for health
1: yeah yeah that's a and sometimes it's purely your, your ego thing really you know yeah ah, you feel like you exactly. you, you only completed by going full range and that is not the whole the true spirit of yoga from my limited knowledge I know you know it's about not being competitive isn't it it's as about, a
0: as a professional yoga teacher and teacher trainer I yeah. completely agree uh, there's a you don't have to get more to be more, definitely. Yeah,
1: yeah. it's the feeling and it's being in one with your limitation and accepting. And, you know, you don't have to touch, you know, head to the toe or, you know, you don't have to take, <laughs> uh, you know, you have to, you don't have to do fancy Instagram your feet photos.
0: behind your head, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, it's not necessary. So, uh, obviously, it's more difficult in a class because you want to keep up with, uh, with others as well. So, uh, if you don't feel any pinching and it's not giving you any sharp character then maybe it's right for you you know so you can do that now mm-hmm. the main thing with the with any uh, f- sadly with any form of osteoarthritis it leads to secondary weakness of the muscles around the hips ah. so so that can't be uh, entirely be stopped by yoga so uh, the hip abductors and the extensors mm-hmm. uh, tend to get weak so you might have you might have to supplement that with a specific uh, exercise program given by a professional who deals with this sort of problem, you know. Mm-hmm. So, so most cases, so if you're in a normal weight, uh, you don't push into the painful range, you add a bit of strength work, and then you also do some low-impact cardio or gentle, you know, uh, you know cross-training, bit of spool work. You could pretty much keep your, um, uh, you know, your arthritis under control for years or even in some cases for decades, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, a lot of people immediately turn around and say, should I need a hip replacement? No, 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 no. Hip replacement is could be even twenty years away from you. You know, right. so uh, so it again goes back to the same question. So if it's at, if it's seriously affecting your lifestyle, for example, you had hip arthritis for eight years, uh, but you, it was under control. But now you can't walk for more than ten minutes. You can't mm. sleep. Uh, mm. Then there's a problem, isn't it? Hmm? Mm. Then mm. maybe you've reached your limit where you might need a replacement. So it's it's the it's a range, isn't it? You know. Uh, Just because you have a bit of arthritis doesn't mean you need to go and rush to the surgeon for a replacement, really, you know Mm -hmm. uh, You know millions of people have mild cases where they live, where they live where they live normal life mm? Mm -hmm. So uh, and what a professional can't predict is how long will it be like that? So some people I say I see it remains like that for 20 years, you know Mm -hmm. Uh, For some people it's just three years after diagnosis. Then you end up with the replacement So it's impossible to predict how long it will take before it might it's, need a replacement that's
0: yeah. that's dark magic almost yeah
1: yeah you can't predict it. so i say to them is uh, stop worrying you know just lead your normal life when it needs when we can talk about it isn't it you know uh, mm-hmm. you know if you need it in 10 years or you need it in seven years uh, you know we don't make decisions of uh, whether you need replacement based on x-rays so i've seen people with the most uh-huh. hor- the most horrendous of x-rays you know they look at it and you think, how can they be even walking? You know, it's bone to bone and things like that. Uh, but I don't obviously use those words with my patients because it gives us fear. Mm. I know, and I never disclose those sort of things because you don't want to induce. So the X-ray is irrelevant. Uh, the symptoms are the most important things, isn't we it? We could
0: we could do a podcast just on that subject. That's yeah. uh, I mean the the relationship that we have within our interpretation of pain is a fascinating area. So yeah. you. So that's not a good guideline, an x-ray is MRI. Exactly, yeah, x-ray, 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 a good clinician will not, uh, so most of the
1: time I will say to my patients is, uh, uh, you know, your changes are appropriate to your age. So See, if you are a 65-year-old um, male or female, your hip is going to show somewhere, isn't it? It's like a 10-year-old right. car, you know, it's not going mm-hmm. to look sparkling, so, so you're going to get some, yeah, so it's, uh, you can, you know, we know that osteoarthritis is part of aging process. Uh, but uh, so let's give an example. Like if you if you look at uh, if uh, you know this statistic is quite powerful. So if you if you there's been one large study which looked at people after age 45, when they looked at 45 without pain and they took an X-ray, around 20 to 25 percent of people without pain had arthritis. They were are talking about people without pain.
0: Yes, it's uh, wonderful. Uh, from, I've yeah. read these kinds of studies also. It's really yeah. fascinating.
1: Yeah, people who are on the high street, they're having a normal life. So if you told them that you got arthritis, you're going to scare the day, daylights of them. <laughs> you know, so uh, it's not relevant if you don't have pain, really. And uh, you're going to see a bit of, you know, arthritis in the hips, a bit of arthritis in the knees.
0: A bit of wear in your back, that's you know, that's 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 the like, uh, the price of being alive,
1: yeah. And uh, just like you get a bit of uh, wrinkles and gray hairs, and you know, uh, <laughs> you, you're not going to you know, uh, really be uh, you know, that's you accept that after 45, 50 or something like that, isn't it? You know, so mm-hmm. if you scan, a lot of people get scared when they do an MRI and they say you know they got a bit of changes, so. We expect changes, isn't it? You know, when you get older. So the yeah. uh, the arthritis uh, on its own is no good surgeon. The surgeons I work, with, they they don't really make a decision for surgery on X the X-ray is purely to confirm your diagnosis based on your symptoms. You know, mm. so if if your symptoms if your X-ray looks really bad, but if you're having a good lifestyle, uh, you know the surgeons I work with will not operate you even if you're ready. They'll say mm. come to us. We, Come to us when your lifestyle is affected. That's the right. main thing. Really. Very pragmatic and practical. Impractical. So it's not that it's not a sentence being saying you have got arthritis. It just means like you know you might need to change a few things around your lifestyle, mm. but uh, you can pretty much lead a, a pretty much more active lifestyle as uh, as you can be if you if you are willing to make some compromises. That's the most important thing, you know.
0: Mm. Yeah. Uh, uh, Benoy, we're slowly running out of time. We could talk all yeah. night. I, I think um, I have no. one other question I'd like to ask you before we uh, finish up, and that's around yeah. um, misdiagnoses. Um, yeah. I'm asking you this because in the yoga world, um, like you know, like fashions and like uh, the latest iPhone number. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Every year we have uh, like a hot, a hot muscle or a hot thing which we just hear about, and we make that and diagnose use mm. that to diagnose everything i think you know uh mm. some years it's uh tight piriformis other times it's weak glutes mm. um what do you hear um what do you see in maybe it's not just unique to um mm. yoga what do you see as people mi- misdiagnosing themselves or being misdiagnosed by yeah gurus um which kind of makes you sh- which drives you crazy i, I would yeah. imagine as a professional yeah so yeah so uh, you're totally right like most
1: people come to me, and uh, so one of the questions I ask them is, "Oh, obviously you had a hip pain for three years. What do you think is causing us pain?" Because I want to know their perspective, or what been uh, told by other professionals. So there are a few mm-hmm. common things. But it could be a hip joint problem, like osteoarthritis or hip impingement or things like that. So the common mm-hmm. things I see is uh, t- tight iliopsoas, hip flexors. You know, this okay. is big, that is a big, uh, you know. Uh, A tight hip—you can't have tight hip flexors for four years, you know. Um, (laughs) know, So, because it's a muscle, it has to yield. So, a common assumption is you got tight hip flexors that causes groin pain for months. So, uh, most of the time, when they come with me, tight or who they claim to be tight hip flexors, it's not a hip flexor problem; it's a joint problem. You know, Mm. they haven't—they have a sore joint. It could be osteoarthritis, it could be impingement, it could be dysplasia. So, there's a structural reason for the iliosus to become tight. Uh, Nine out of ten, the iliosus is a victim. Not the primary reason, ah. because so iliosus is so close to the hip joint. Yes. Whenever you have any hip problem, the iliosus is going to get uh, is going to get affected. Right uh, there,
0: unless it's trochanter, right? Yeah.
1: So you you can't escape. So you're going to have a sore iliosus. The question here is, why is your iliosus so painful for four years or two years? years you know? you know what is the, what is causing that so that's the number one thing i see the second thing which is a bit of a misnomer actually is uh which i see from the pilates world and yoga world is the glutes are not firing you know so the glutes <laughs> yes. so the glutes there's no like a switch on or button where you can put it on and then it's firing now if you look at the evidence it's quite interesting when you have pain when you've got a pain or pathology the glutes fire more rapidly than normal in fact they go mental they fire more than normal in fact uh, a right word would be to say that your glutes are weaker. That's true. You know, when you get pain, you get weaker, but mm-hmm. the, firing, the firing is not really uh, evidence-based, you know mm. so In fact, you get more firing because whenever your pain your brain goes bonkers, you know It just mm. starts to think like there's something wrong. And so this sort of uh, weak glutes. It's not firing uh, My ilusovus is tight, you know um, Or the biggest one is my pelvis is out of place. I need to go to a Cairo or somebody and put the pelvis in back in place so
0: and when you mean pelvis do you mean the SI, SI joint is that what SIJ. You...
1: we know the SIJ moves less than two millimeters you can't really push it back in place you know it's not even that so uh, most of the time the SIJ pain is referred from the hip itself so a lot of people go spend a lot of money on, on uh, aggressive manipulation trying to push the hip backs in place and they say my hip is uh, dislocated or something they need to put back mm-hmm. in place so, <laughs> so this is where I think things goes wrong is uh, chronic SIJ, you know, like pelvic pain where it's not really a pelvic pain. It's more from your, uh, you know, hip uh, tight sewers and the glutes not firing. This is the stories I hear every day. Yes. I put my hands on it and say, actually, uh, <laughs> this, there's nothing, all these things, what you're saying is true, but what's driving all these three things is actually something from your hip joint, you know. Mm. Uh, the, the, the thing is, this is what I find really fascinating. See, if you come with, uh, you come to my clinic and you use, uh, if you come with knee pain, the nine out of ten, the reason for knee pain is going to be the knee joint, not your kidneys, isn't it? So I'm going to say, <laughs> so I'm going to say, I think your knee pain is likely come. So there's something myst- there's something mystical about hips and groin. Uh, yes. People forget the most common reason for hip pain is the hip joint. Uh-huh. It's nothing mystical. It's not from your uh, bladder. It's not coming from something weird or somewhere like up there. emotionally you know? so, or other things. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a big one in yoga is the emotional element. <laughs> we love that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but see, when you have pain, your emotion is going to be messed up, isn't it? That's true, isn't it? You know, a lot of people uh, affects their mood. It affects their sleep. So there's definitely an emotional component, but uh, I would not say that's the driver of their symptoms. So, uh, so if you've been told that you've got tight hip flexors, your glutes are not firing, or pelvis needs 20 sessions to put it back in place, <laughs> then uh, you need to look somewhere else. Most mm. likely you been taken by a ride by somebody there because there's a lot of um, you know uh, vested interest there you know where people lock them i see people are having lots of unnecessary treatment for years you know right uh, unnecessary scans manipulations uh, soft tissue work see this is a simple rule if you uh, simple rule of thumb if you have anything with soft tissue you should get better within four to six sessions maximum three months mm-hmm. you should waste any money beyond that if your symptoms are not improving with mm-hmm. it could be even with me you know uh, you know i'm not going to fix everybody who comes to me like if you're not improving with a professional mm, uh, one uh, the diagnosis is wrong that's the most common reason isn't it mm. yeah? so uh obviously try believe you're a professional and obviously it's a collaborative approach but if your symptoms are not improving obviously you can't fix it in one week as well you know uh, yeah. <laughs> don't think but if in four to six sessions or in two to three months if you're not improving uh most likely then the diagnosis needs a second look so uh i can you know i treat only hips for the last seven years but every month i will send at least two patients where i don't know what's happening you know mm-hmm. even for somebody who just treats hips there are some hips where i don't know what's happening and i send for a second opinion mm-hmm. uh, i don't have any problem in that you know uh because mm-hmm. i understand i'm not getting anywhere so we're not so, adults right yeah and uh, we need a second pair of eyes to uh pick up things you know so let's give i give an one example is one i just saw a gymnast you know she had a bit of um you know uh, bilateral both hip groin pain i thought it was tim pinchman did all the normal stuff but it was getting worse you know Uh, but she didn't want to go elsewhere but i said to her see there's no point seeing me you're not getting better in uh, three months Mm. Uh, i sent her to i thought there was something gynecological because she she had heavy periods and some gynecological issue okay then then i sent it to another women's health physio and she had some ovarian cyst or something like that, you know, from uh-huh. gynecological. So, uh-huh. which there's no way I could pick that up, you know, it's beyond my pain.
0: Is, pain is complex, and we gotta yeah. look at it
1: from many different ways. Yeah. So yeah. you look at the other organs. So if you, if I'm not improving, I'm not going to waste your time, you know. Uh, for me, for me, because of my experience, I don't even wait for three months. I keep it six weeks, you know. Uh, uh-huh. For me, if I feel if I'm not making you improve in six weeks, either something wrong with my approach or I need to send you for. Uh, Investigations or uh, somebody else but for for a novice somebody who's starting the journey I think you should give them at least three months, you know Mm. So because uh, it's easy for me to say all that because I only treat a small part of the body and uh, it's easier for me to do pattern recognition But uh, hips are very difficult uh, for most practitioners complex
0: area. Yeah. Yeah So
1: so in two three months if you're not improving then maybe you need an x-ray or investigation or maybe something uh, Or maybe you know, the therapist was right but you're messing it up by not doing the things he said not uh-huh. to do, you know. Yes, yeah. yeah. That's, uh, that could be, a, so I see that with runners, you know, I say not to do hills, in the weekend they're doing hills, you know.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, don't you uh, say yogis, don't put your feet behind your, behind your head, that's against our religion, so. Yeah, yeah,
1: so on that, so I think it's a collaborative approach, and I think we are moving away from the therapist is the God, and he knows all the answers. For me, I think it's it's, uh, it's a collaborative approach, you know, uh hips uh, i don't think a lifetime is enough for me to understand it. so just a small part of the body so uh i think one of the reasons you know I, i've realized is i work very closely with uh, the top people the more people more clever than me i work with the top uh, yeah surgeons uh women's health physios psychologists you know dancers so uh it's you know any successful practice is based on teamwork isn't it you know Absolutely. so you can't really uh, have the also so i think it's it's an exciting area so i think the the key for me is uh, you know just to give you the sort of key points is uh, if if you are, if you ask me the key points first thing is is respecting an anatomical limits really you know so mm. knowing what's good pain what's joint pain and what's muscle pain that is the number one thing if you respect that you won't need to come and see me ever you know
0: <laughs> <laughs> now mm. we're getting to the end of our time it's we could keep going forever mm. and ever um, mm. But, um, so us in the yoga world, um, yeah. when, when do we uh, where do we find you if we ever do need uh, yeah. someone like yourself? How do we find you? It, uh, yeah, that's good. So, the, the thing is,
1: uh, with much compulsion, I've been forced to do a workshop. Uh, I'm doing one workshop in tri yoga, which I thought would be good because I normally do my courses, ah, yes, mm-hmm. I'm doing courses for uh, professionals, so but I it will be a good idea. So, I linked up with one of uh. Uh, yoga teacher from natalie and i think we're doing in february march in tri yoga camden where we're doing a workshop uh, wonderful. so we call it the so uh, yeah so i'll just um i'll send you the links which you could possibly add
0: to there uh, so see. we call it now and i'll, and I'll yeah. see if i can uh
1: get you up into scotland one day maybe yeah definitely i can come because of the so we call the workshop hip diversity uh, yogi's yeah yogi's guide to the many faces of our hips oh, so oh I,
0: wonderful
1: yeah, yeah the idea is to just Make them aware of the different uh, types of hips, you know, the variations and uh, the idea is not about scaremongering and telling that the idea is to know the variety embrace the variety and also work with it and uh, uh, On the course I give them my my top five exercises. I use with my patients using simple bands So they got something they can take take home straight away which Mm -hmm. because a lot of teachers they don't have time to go to the gym, or they don't like it. So I try to keep it very home-friendly. You know, it's with simple bands, yeah. some hip strengthening work. So, so give them a little bit. So it's a two to three hours workshop. Um, um, I do a lot of work on Twitter uh, at Function to Fitness, where usually, you know, I'm there on most days. I can Yeah. Um. Uh, and I work in Central London, you know, Ali. So, so I think the Google, you know, you can, you know, you shouldn't really have difficulty in finding me. Uh, <laughs> but just... Find you. Yeah, but the question here is the, the main aim is uh, really, I don't want, you know, I've got enough uh, patient. The main aim is by the time the patients come to me, it's too late. The My main goal of the article was yoga teachers should be able to pick this up from the client so that right. you can prevent people coming unnecessarily to physio or uh, that thing. Because uh, physically, physios, we, we don't have the resources to handle all that. You know, the best people are, are yoga teachers who yeah. can... Because we have
0: to and that's uh, what we spend so much time in our training educating yeah. teachers on ex- on Experiencing and understanding the difference between soft tissue pain and joint pain. Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a biggie and it's not well enough understood in yoga, so yeah. uh,
1: I think is, uh, is yoga teachers, you know patients listen to you and uh, I'm I, I would like to be more like a second or third opinion if things are not improving, you know, so right. basic advice Basic, so the thing I would I would like a future yoga teacher to have knowledge, in my opinion, in mean, my wish list would be the type of yoga, you know, variations of hips, you know, what are mm-hmm. the variations, to what to understand. And the second most important thing is how to modify your posture based on the profile you see, you know. Uh, if somebody if somebody had limited hip flexion, what can you do? What do you do so, now? What do you do? You do. Uh, and the last one is uh, what stage should you seek help, you know, and when you don't ah. need help. So that's the most important thing, really. In some cases, I would say 90% of the cases you guys can manage it very well, you know, so you can sort of modify we it well.
0: Yeah. 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 So
1: when it, when it reaches, so for me, it's quite simple. When it reaches the point where they're limping, they're getting night pain and uh, you know, they're struggling with basic stuff. Then it goes beyond yoga. Then it becomes more like a it's professional, medical professional, medical, medical profession. In that case, there's no point keep, keeping them and uh, causing more problem, but a bit of a small ache, you don't have to send it to me. You know, you can manage that easily with the, uh, 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 so you see, that's the thing. In the early stages, small changes is all it needs. You know, a little change mm-hmm. of the foot, you know, a change of certain angles, and then yeah. your hip is then your hip is happy. So it's uh, mild modifications. But you can only know that if you understand the hips, though. That's
0: the question. Isn't absolutely, it? absolutely.
1: So <laughs> yeah.
0: Ben, we've we've run out of time. I don't want to take you away from your family any longer. Yeah. Um. It's been absolutely fantastic uh, talking to you. So many nuggets of of wisdom in here. Um. Yeah. And uh, so I will be sharing some of the links that you you'll give me. And, and, uh, uh, I hope that we get to actually meet face to face one day and uh, do something together. that would be absolutely fantastic thank yeah. you very yeah. much for your time yeah thanks for having me wasn't that a great lesson if you're ever interested in learning more and understanding how uh, yoga has to adapt to our bodies come join me anytime you can see me on my schedule section of my website www.dougalmeacham.com I'd love to have you join us see you around bye bye